0: Good morning, everyone. How are you on this beautiful day? Is everybody upset that it's not hotter? Are we all mad that we're not in the hundreds anymore? <laughs> oh, I'm praising the Lord. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for this day. Lord, how much we would like to actually hear the brush of angel wings here today. I kind of think that they're here Amidst your people, you have millions and millions of angels and they are sent to help those who are headed for salvation. So kind of think there may be somebody here, but we are not very cognizant. Make us cognizant of your presence and of that realm that is so true and so real and that we are seeking to comprehend. Touch Pastor Ray as he provides a message to us today and the worship team as they lead us before your throne of grace. And I praise and thank you for each and every one that is here today, in Jesus' name, amen. Good
1: morning. Good morning. is that music that we heard this morning? Indeed, his name is wonderful. Satisfying the soul. Direct me in the path of your commands there I find delight. Can you guess which book that's in? Psalms. The Bible teaches that a person is more than just a body, each of us is actually a living soul. Our souls are created in the image of God. God Himself has implanted His own nature within us. Amen. Just as you're catching on. Just as our bodies have certain characteristics and appetites, so do our souls. The characteristic of the soul includes intelligence, emotion, and will. The human soul, or the spirit, longs for peace, contentment, and happiness. Most of all, the soul has an appetite for God, a yearning to be reconciled to its creator and to have fellowship with him forever. In our world, we give most of our attention to satisfying the appetites of the body and practically none to the soul. Consequently, we are one-sided. We have become unfit physically and materially, while spiritually, we are lean, weak, and anemic. The soul actually demands as much attention as the body. It demands fellowship and communion with God. It demands worship, quietness, and meditation. Nothing but God can completely satisfy, but the soul was made for God. Don't starve our souls. When was the last time you intentionally denied yourself food, drink, or rest? Be sure you tend to your soul's needs just as attentively.
2: Even to your old age, I will be the same. <laughs> and even to your grain years, I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you.
3: If you'd like stand? to stand. down and looked at the bulletin this morning I just really uh, was touched by this scripture so Joshua 1:9. 1, 1, be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go Amen. praise God and then also I wanted to read out of Proverbs 3 uh, 3 through 8 Further benefits of wisdom. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, for fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Amen. Amen. Now if you'll join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this day with grateful hearts. We thank you and praise you for your love and mercy that never fail us. As we gather, we ask that you bless those persons who are on our prayer page and for unspoken requests. We lift up those people and their individual situations to you so that your will will be done in each of their lives. We pray for your wisdom and forgiveness of our sins and for our church, Desert Gardens. May God's will be done in all things. We ask for guidance, strength and healing, Father God. We give you thanks and praise for what you are doing. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. I'm
4: going to read Psalm 101 this morning. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O oh Lord, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes that shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from thine kingdom, and the glory of forever, amen.
5: If you'd like to
6: stand...
7: is to be
2: I think that was really special music for a special person. Yeah, I think so. Who do you think it may have been for? Special people. Special people. Anyone in particular? Maybe Ron and Sue. Oh, Ron and Sue. I heard they were having an anniversary this week. (laughs) 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 Ron was spilling the beans. (laughs) Our New Testament reading today is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and all say, say all sort of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for great reward awaits, awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And if you'll join me in the responsive reading. Hope beyond all human hope. We promise promised descendants, descendants as, as numerous as a, as a star. star to old Abraham and barren Sarah. We promise promise light and salvation. salvation in the midst of darkness and despair. And, and promise redemption to a world that will not listen. Gather us to yourself in tenderness. Open our ears to listen to your word and teach us to live faithfully as people confident in the fulfillment of your promises. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, Lord, you you blessed us. You have shared with us. Things that are from your creation, things that would not exist without you. And Lord, we're so thankful and you call upon us to, to give back, to share with others, to share your word, to share our hearts and the blessings that you give us when we, when we know and share that we are part of your family. And Lord, we give back also the gifts that we give today. And we ask you to bless them and that you guide us in their use. That more can come to know you and be part of that wonderful family of God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
8: I have some uh, bulletins on the back table regarding uh, Goshen Ministries. And I wanted to give you a... uh thumbnail sketch of who they are and what they do. Slide two, please. They are not far from us. Uh, Proceed up old Spanish, take a left on Melpomene, and they are down uh, less than a mile, so very, very close to us. Their outreach is to refugees. Uh, specifically refugees from genocide. I met with uh, a fine young man a couple of weeks ago. The Membe is his name, and he's from the Congo. He and three brothers escaped one of the many genocides in the Congo and came here. They've been here about 10 years. But... Uh, The Goshen campus has a a church, which is the the larger, taller building there. They also have apartment complexes. They told me uh, their most recent refugees were from Afghanistan. So uh, that should be close to our hearts, considering how abruptly we left Afghanistan and how many people we left in harm's way. But... um, in that most of the refugees they take in are from genocide, that, that should uh, grab your heart. What they need most is transportation. And what they're asking for is, they, they like to make a group of about seven people, uh, kind of a, a, a daisy chain that if one can't do it, there's at least six others who can. And you won't be called every time. But they need transportation to doctor's appointments, job interviews, uh, and this kind of thing. And they also, uh, if you feel inclined, love to have volunteers meet these people at the airport and help them get uh, settled in initially. So there's uh, a, quite an outreach there. And I hope uh, God will impress on some of your hearts to help in that way, if you can. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a difficult world we are living in, and it's growing worse, but we sing hallelujah, because that means your second coming is very, very near. That means the rapture of your church is even nearer. We ask that you encourage our hearts this morning. Speak to us through your word. Help us understand how critical it is that we live in total obedience to your will, especially at this time. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing in uh, our study of the rapture of the church this morning. Those who don't believe in the rapture say, well, you know, the word rapture is not found anywhere in Scripture. This is true. But the word trinity isn't found anywhere in Scripture either. The Greek phrase harpazo was transliterated into Latin were. Remember the Latin Vulgate. It was transliterated into Latin as raptura and then into English as rapture. The phrase harpazo in English means caught up. Slide three, please. And if you ask where in Scripture is this word harpazo, First Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The Greek word harpazo is where we get our English word harpoon. A harpoon is a spear with a hook on the end of it. You may remember Moby Dick. Harpoons secure a whale and drag him against the ship so he can be filleted. Last week I told you that half of the church today does not believe in the rapture. And the majority of the other half doesn't understand it. The Catholic Church does not teach this. The vast majority of those who call themselves Reformed don't teach this. Most Presbyterians don't teach this. So who does teach it? Well, the Cumberlands, for sure. The Baptists, the Old Line Methodists, Church Christ, Calvary Chapel, and virtually all Pentecostals. The rapture was incontrovertibly taught by Jesus. All the apostles taught the rapture of the church. As I stated last week, it is the second half of the gospel. Any church that does not teach the rapture has made for itself a grid whereby they can filter out the truth of God's word. This is a sad thing because they're filtering out a central truth of Scripture. You may have noticed that I said most Presbyterians. Why would I say that? Because most Presbyterians are Calvinists. Calvin had absolutely nothing to say about the elect being raptured prior to the tribulation. In fact, Calvin wrote no commentaries whatsoever on the book of Revelation because he didn't understand it. He thought it was all allegory. And as I told you last week, Calvin taught amillennialism. And if you remember, amillennialism denies the 1,000-year reign of Christ on this earth. And this is yet another reason why Cumberlands are not Calvinists. To me, the saddest thing about all millennialism is that those who embrace it do not believe Creator God Jesus Christ will redeem and restore Eden. Nothing excites me more about Christ's second coming than the restoration of Eden. And what will Eden restored represent? The world restored to the righteousness and peace which the Lord God originally intended. Slide four, please. But to fully understand the rapture, we need to fully understand the gospel. In Luke 24, 44, Jesus is here speaking to his disciples on the night of his resurrection. Then Jesus said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. If the Holy Spirit doesn't open your mind, this is not going to make much sense to you. And Jesus continued, Yes, it was written long ago that Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. What's that message? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ is twofold. We just read the first part. The gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. And then what happens? Christ returns. And what is the gospel message? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Repentance is salvation. Salvation is regeneration of your heart and mind when you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. And where do we get the authority to proclaim this salvation? The name of Jesus. Where do we get the power to proclaim this salvation? The Holy Spirit will come and fill you with power from heaven. Slide five. Further down in Luke 24, we read about Jesus' ascension. Luke 24, 50 through 53. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. What joy did Jesus bless them with that gave them such joy they stayed in the temple for ten days straight, praising God. Do you want Pentecost in this church? Here's the formula stay in the temple praising God. The joy that Jesus blessed them with was purpose, privilege, and preparation. What purpose? To preach Christ's gospel to the ends of the earth. What privilege? The privilege of introducing people to the God who created them for the express purpose of knowing him and knowing him well. And preparation for what? The second part of the gospel, the rapture of the church. Do we understand this? The rapture is the fulfillment of our salvation. St. Paul talked about the earnest of our inheritance. Does that sound familiar? What was he talking about? Slide six. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 from the ESV. In him, Christ Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the King James says, the earnest of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And you say, I I thought I had possession of my salvation. Not quite yet. Before the days of zero down payments, the legal term for a down payment was called earnest money. Retailers call it layaway. What St. Paul is saying here is that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he gave you a down payment, an earnest of your inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living inside us is our down payment on heaven. Until you take possession of your salvation. Right now you have the earnest. When will you take possession of your salvation? The rapture. Or if you die before, you go immediately into the arms of Jesus. And then you get to dance a jig around his throne and just hang out until the rapture of the church. And what is the rapture of the church? It's our wedding day. Do you remember what I told you last week about the Galilean wedding? When we received Christ into our heart, we said yes to Jesus' wedding proposal. He's already paid the bride price, the dowry on Calvary. He has already signed the wedding contract in his own blood. And he's been busy adding on to his father's house, preparing magnificent sweets for you and me to live in, in his father's mansion. And presently, we are waiting on him to announce that all his preparations are complete, and he is on his way to collect his bride, to whisk us away to that mansion in glory and to consummate our wedding with a joyous and opulent feast. This is the other half of the gospel. Slide 7. Acts 1, 9 through 11 from the message. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring into an empty sky. Suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans. Why do you just stand here looking up to an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come again as certainly and as mysteriously as he left. But remember what I told you last week. The second coming of Christ will happen in two parts. Part one. At the rapture of the church, we will meet the Lord Jesus in the air where we will be escorted to that great wedding feast of the Lamb and the Bemis Seat Judgment. He will return exactly the same way he left, handing out blessings. What blessings will Jesus hand out at the rapture? The one I'm looking most forward to is a resurrected body that will never grow sick, weak, or old. A perfect body. Jesus will return in the same way he left, in power and glory. But that power and glory will be just like his ascension. Only his believers will see it, hear it, experience it he will come again as certainly and as mysteriously as he left. Mysteriously indeed. When millions of believers disappear from this planet at the same time, that will be a mystery. One which no one will be able to explain except 144,000 Messianic evangelists. But note this, at the rapture, Jesus does not touch down on the earth. We meet him in the air. And then we do a big U-turn, and he takes us directly to his heaven. Part two, Jesus' second coming. He fully comes to the earth, vanquishing all his enemies at the Battle of Armageddon. He will touch down on the Mount of Olives exactly as he left this earth. And the Mount of Olives will split in two and provide a great valley for the people of Jerusalem to escape the battle. God always protects his remnant. After this battle, he will commence his 1,000-year reign on this earth. But back to the rapture, what exactly is the Bema Seat Judgment? When the church is raptured up to heaven, the keynote of that celebration will be the wedding feast of the Lamb. I believe during that wedding feast there will be an award ceremony, the Bema Seat Judgment. Bema In Latin, actually that's Greek, means platform. Think of the platform that the athletes stand on at the Olympics to receive their medals. This is the bema seat. You will receive your crown at the bema seat. Slide eight, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, for we believers must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This is the Bema Seat Judgment. But will you stand before the behemoth seat of Jesus Christ, empty-handed? Will you make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth? Or will you be able to say, Lord Jesus, I brought some friends with me. I was an influencer for the kingdom. Slide nine. Revelation three fifteen through 19. This is Jesus speaking to the church. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline every everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference will you be a kingdom influencer or will you be a Samson? In Hebrews 11, Samson is included in the roll call of the heroes of faith. I should give you pause. You should ask yourself, why was he included? He lived a wretched life. Slide 10, please. Hebrews 11, 33 and 34. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. How much do we really know about Samson? The time between the rule of the prophets and the rule of the kings of Israel is known as the time of the judges. There were 15 judges who served Israel, and among them was Gideon, Eli, Samuel, and Samson. God doesn't, bless his name, God does not do edits or rewrites of his holy word. No revisions. He tells it to us straight, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Samson was called by God from the womb. Only five people in scripture were called from the womb. Samson was one of them. He was called from the womb to be a Nazirite, and that meant he could never cut his hair, never touch alcohol, never touch anything dead. Samson's parents raised him according to all that God had said with fear and trembling. But like so many of us, Samson went his own way. He disregarded God's calling on his life. He violated God's law by marrying a pagan woman. Samson lived his life according to his lust. But in Hebrews 11.33 they shut the mouths of lions. David, Samson, and Daniel shut the mouths of lions. But Samson ignored his Nazarite vow, and after the lion he had slain had decayed, he traveled the same way again and found in the carcass of that lion a honeycomb. And he dipped his hands into that honeycomb and for, forsook his Nazarite vow. You might remember that Samson also slayed 3,000 Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Again, he picked up something dead, ignoring God's Nazarite vow. But God blessed him anyway. But there comes a time of reckoning. No matter how much God puts his hand of blessing on our lives, there comes a time of reckoning. When you read the story of Samson, you realize that he did little that glorified God. Yet in his final moments of life, blinded, chained, and paraded before the Philistines as a conquered trophy, he repented and asked God to make his last his best. You know the story. God gave him superhuman strength and he pushed apart the two main pillars of the Philistine temple and the entire temple crumbled and crushed all the Philistine leaders. But other than this, Samson will stand before the judgment seat of Christ empty-handed. St. Paul explains it this way. What we do for Christ on this earth is like building a house. The foundation is Jesus Christ, but it's up to us what kind of materials we use to build the walls, the ceilings, and the roof. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What will be your reward? Will you be empty-handed? standing at the judgment seat with scorched clothes? Or will you receive a great reward? It's not too late. Samson went out in a blaze of glory, can we. God can and will make our last our best. Slide 11. In Revelation chapter 3, 5 through 8, from the Living Bible... Jesus is speaking to the charter members of his church. In this case, the churches at Sardis and Philadelphia. He says this, Everyone who conquers will be clothed in white, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. The moment you're born, your name is recorded in the book of life. But if you deny Christ, that name will be erased. But I will announce them before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Let all who can hear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This message is sent to you by the one who is holy and true and has the key of David to open what no one can shut and shut what no one can open. I know you well. You aren't strong. But you have tried to obey and have not denied my name. Therefore, I have opened a door to you that no one can shut. That door has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. Saint Peter puts it all in perspective for us. Slide 12, please. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 8. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. When do you receive your salvation? At the rapture. Or when you meet Christ face to face. His power keeps it until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than gold The rapture of the church is the fulfillment of your salvation. It's the other half of the gospel. Slide 13. I've asked you before, but let me ask you again. I want to make sure we understand what is the tribulation all about. Number one, it's a time of testing for Israel. In order to bring them to their Messiah... Jesus Christ. Number two, it's a time of testing for the whole earth in order to turn them to Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, 9 through 17. I looked again. I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations, tribes, races, and languages. And they were standing, dressed in white robes, waving palm branches, standing before the throne of the Lamb and heartily singing, Salvation to our God on his throne. Salvation to the Lamb. And all who were standing around the throne, angels, elders, animals, all fell down with their face to on their faces before the throne and worshiping God, singing, oh yes, amen. The blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, the honor, the power, the strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. Slide 14, please. Just then one of the elders addressed me. Who are these dressed in white robes and where did they come from? Taken aback, I said, oh, sir, I have no idea, but you must know. Then he told me, these are those who come from the great tribulation. This is what the tribulation is all about. There will be millions saved during the tribulation. And they have washed their robes, scrubbed them clean in the blood of the Lamb, That's why they're standing before God's throne. They serve him day and night in his temple. The one on the throne will pitch his tent there for them. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat. The lamb on the throne will shepherd them. He will lead them to spring waters of life. And God will wipe every last tear from their eyes. And we will join these saved from the tribulation. John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. The Greek word translated dwelled here is skenao. It literally means pitched a tent. God will pitch a tent for us. All, talk about a big top, for us all. A house, a tent, big enough for us all. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat. And God will wipe every last tear from their eyes. Why will there be tears? Why will there be tears? I believe the only ones crying will be those who make it into heaven by the skin of their teeth and will stand before the Lord empty-handed. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, I want to give you a new perspective on the sacrament of the altar. Communion should be a time of looking forward to Christ's return. Yes, we remember his sacrifice on the cross, but we should also remember his promised return. There will be a glorious communion service in heaven in which Jesus will partake with us. At the Last Supper, Jesus said to his disciples, I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This sacrament of the altar, this communion we will partake of this morning, its meaning will not be fulfilled until we celebrate it anew at the wedding feast of the Lamb. From the Gospel of Luke, Then Jesus took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it and said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Communion is a time to look forward to the great wedding feast, but is also a time for repentance. Earlier I told you repentance is salvation. Repentance is a, not a trite apology and then you return to your everyday ordinary life of ignoring God. Repentance is not when you offer up the same old worn out excuse. Oops, I'm sorry Lord. I was just got so busy today. I'm sorry I got so busy I didn't have time for you, time for your word, time to pray, time to just sit and listen. For your voice do you spend more time on Facebook than in your Bible slide 15 Hebrews 30:15 from the NIV this is what the Sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says in repentance and rest is your salvation in quietness and trust is your strength The message translation says, your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts of trying to save yourselves. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, am I repentant?" And if I am, where's my rest? Where's my quietness? Where's my trust? If you don't have rest, quietness, and trust, perhaps you're not repentant. We sang a song earlier, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Are you? Because the everlasting arms of Jesus is the only place we find that rest, quietness, and trust. And it's where you find the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Communion is not just about repentance. It's not only about remembering the horrible price that Christ paid for our redemption. Communion is also an occasion to look forward to the kingdom of God coming down out of heaven, resting on this earth at his millennial reign. Communion is when we look forward to sharing this meal we are about to partake with the Lord Jesus and all the saints. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I know you looked into the future before you created this earth, before you created mankind, and you saw us here today so busy about things that do not matter. Help us, Father, to dial it back, slow it down, Get our priorities straight and put you first in our lives. Speak to us through the sacrament of your altar this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Kathy and Wayne, if you would come forward and prepare the table. We have no restrictions on the sacrament of the altar here in this church. You don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us this morning. All we ask is that you are a professing Christian who believes in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on his cross for our salvation. But I want us to do things a little differently this morning. I would like you all to come forward to receive both the bread and the wine and then take them back to your seat and we will take of each together. Please come forward. use bread you hold in your hand this morning is a picture of Jesus, a picture of what he did for you on his cross. We all have a cabinet, a hutch, a sofa table with pictures of our loved ones. These are keepsakes we keep and cherish. This piece of bread is a picture of a crushed, broken, pierced, and lacerated body. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. This piece of bread is a picture of our sin, which Father God levied on our Lord Jesus Christ, so we can be forgiven. This bread is a picture of the suffering of the Lord Jesus. The suffering he took upon himself so we can be healed, body, soul, and spirit. Jesus said, this is my body, sacrificed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we bless your name and we thank you for the sacrifice. Let's partake together. Lord Jesus, now we thank you for the cup. This cup represents the blood you poured out on the cross for our redemption. The life of the body is in the blood. And you poured out your life's blood for the remission of our sins. Lord, we confess that our salvation is not in this cup. Our salvation is the faith you have given us to believe that your sacrifice on the cross covers all our sins, past, present, and future. Lord Jesus, we confess that our salvation is not the liturgy of the sacrament. Our salvation is believing every word you have said. And you have said, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. If you really love me, you will take up your cross and follow me daily. If you really love me, you will trust me to keep you, provide for you, and give you the strength and courage to complete the journey I have laid out for you. And the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We glory in your sacrifice, for it is our salvation. In your sacrifice, we find life. In your death, we find life. And we look forward to praising your name for this forever and ever. Father, go before us this week. Lead God and direct us in your perfect ways. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: And he is in the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power when he had made purification of sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high if you'd like to stand and join us